Welcome back to another episode of Clutch Crew Sports, guys. I'm your host, Zach. And on this episode, we're here to debate all things related to football. So there's going to be a lot of different key points that we're going to talk about. And I know Connor and I feel differently about a lot of them. So we're going to debate our strategies and philosophies. Should be a fun episode, guys. Now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. Yep, as Zach said, you know me, I'm Connor, the co-host with the most, and you can lock that my philosophy is correct. (laughs) 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 All right, guys, so back here, our second episode in a row with me being joined by only Connor, and I was thinking... uh, Come on, Eric and Nate. (laughs) I know, I was was thinking, maybe... We should maybe we need to change this podcast to the to the, like the Zach and Connor sports show or something like that because <laughs> <laughs> because that's what it feels like it's been for a while. But you know the other guys they'll be back in the streams in the uh, in the podcast when they can. I know Nate's got a big project he's working on and Eric's wrapping up a a shift at his restaurant. So understandable why they can't be here uh, as we all have things going on. But we're here to talk football philosophy debates today so i've got a couple of key points like i said mentioned on the screen for the youtube viewers but some of them are going to be kind of a reiteration of certain things that we've brought up in prior episodes you know we've talked about fourth down a couple times and extra points versus going for two Uh, but there's some other ones on this list that you might not know our stances on and quite frankly, we haven't rehearsed this beforehand, so I don't know exactly where Connor's going on these. He doesn't know exactly where I'm going on these. Uh, so it, it should be should be interesting. Definitely there will be some things we disagree with. There might be some things we do agree with, though. Um, but with that being said, guys, we'll start with our first key talking point here, which is fourth down. So you know me as the more of a risk taker. When it comes to sports and especially going for it on fourth down and and this is where I'm going to lay a strong case for is going for it on fourth down more times than coaches tend to do in the NFL because the way I see it is if you're in a fourth and one situation or fourth and two and you're not like backed up on your own end zone or anything like that. You're you're in uh, that range where it's not really practical to kick a field goal, but it's it would be risky if you didn't get it. But still, I I always like it and respect it more when teams go for it on fourth down because they're showing that they're trying to play to win and not play to lose. And I think that's this league is so much of a copycat league where it's just been ingrained in everybody. Oh, it's fourth and one at your own 40-yard line, and the score is tied. Punt it. You know, it's it seems like it's just been ingrained in everybody in that. But the thing you got to do, and this is something you got to do as a coach, is you got to really practice this stuff. You got to have a good uh, game plan when it comes to fourth downs, what you're gonna do. And you know, I I do support some of the analytics. I know. They're, they're a mixed bag, but you. I also think coaches should have charts and certain things telling them what to do in this situation. So if it's fourth and one at this yard line and you get it, how big of a 
reward is it versus how big of a risk is it? I, I am an analytics um, proponent. I don't know all of them by their, all their little details and everything like that because it gets complicated. But for the most part, I do support that. And I I don't like it when teams just punt the ball because that's what it feels like everybody should do. I feel like that's how teams lose games more than teams win games. So that's why I like going for a fourth down, especially when you're losing. It's something you got to do. And another thing, too, another reason why I like when teams go for it on fourth down is that they show a faith in their team. They they put faith in their offense and they put faith in their defense because you, when you go for it on fourth down, you expect to make it. You don't do it not planning on making your fourth down unless it's like a Hail Mary at the end of the game. So it puts faith in your quarterback and your offense that you believe in them, that you're not scared of them screwing it up. You're not scared of your quarterback or offensive line screwing it up on fourth down. And it also says, hey, if for whatever reason we don't get it, defense, we trust you to make a stop. Uh, it's not like, oh, we don't trust our defense, so we're going to kick it off and try and get field position. So I, I do think that has some impact where players tend to respect the coaches that respect them more so. And I think going for it on fourth down has that dual effect for the offense and the defense that the coach is putting trust in them that, okay, we expect to get it because we respect our offense, but we also respect our defense enough to be able to hold them if, for whatever reason, we don't get it. Um, another thing, too, on fourth down that can happen, you can get penalties, too. So you can get a penalty to get yourself a first down, either pre-snap or during the play is a possibility. If you get a pre-snap penalty on yourself, that's not as harmful. So you can play a little bit, same with, um, same with during the play. If for whatever reason you need to create a penalty to get that first down, you're you can do that because as long as you get that first down, the opposition is going to have to accept that penalty, which maybe makes you have to punt the ball, but at least you don't get you don't lose the ball there. So I feel like you can play as an offense on fourth down a little bit more risky. You as a tackle or guard, you can hold the defensive lineman more. If you're an offensive receiver, you can maybe get away with more push-offs um, just because you can. You know, it's not like a third down where it's going to take you out. It's you have to get this amount of yards, and that's that. So that's, you know, I don't want to ramble on too much more about that, but that's those are some of the reasons why I like it when teams go on fourth down more. Another reason why I like the XFL a lot is because you see coaches do that in places where, in the NFL, it would be unheard of uh, to to go for a fourth down. It's kind of like the norm in the XFL to go for that. So that's that's sort of how I feel about fourth down, guys. But let me hear what Connor has to say. I mean, for me, obviously, like Zach said, he's the more uh, daring one out of the group, and I'm a little bit more conservative. But I mean, for me, it has to be it has to be the right time. And there have to be a lot of factors for me involved to want to go for it on fourth down. Like, first of all, in my mind, if you're in your own territory, like, unless you're maybe on, like, the 45 or, like, almost at the 50, I would never go for it on fourth down. If you're in your own territory, because, like, okay, you've now you've already, if you don't get it, then you've gifted your opponent, you know, they don't even have to go halfway down the field anymore. 
like they're already like 20 yards away from field goal range. So if you're in your own territory, in my mind, you don't go for it unless like you absolutely have to, like you're down by like 10 points with six minutes left in the game. Then like, yeah, obviously go for it. But unless you absolutely have to, if you're in your own territory, don't go for it now. And obviously the yardage has to be there too, because I know you see this in the XFL more with teams going for it, like on fourth and four and fourth and five, or like maybe even like fourth and six or seven, depending on where they are on the field. But when it comes to the NFL, these defenses are so good that I would like be hesitant to go for it if it's anything more than two yards. And like even on two yards, I'm still kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like that's a, you know, some of these defensive linemen are really big and you're going to try and run the ball up the middle. Then, you know, you have to come up with something on fourth and two, which, you know, at least on fourth and two, I, I will say that can be like, you know, you can use your uh, like two point conversion play in that scenario, because I mean, that's basically the same thing. You need two yards. So you might already have a play drawn up for it. So that's why like, for me, two yards is probably the max, unless again, like, unless you absolutely have to, because you're down and you need the, uh, the the points are like you know you need to get down the field because like i said for one thing i think the defenses are too good and i just think the risk is too too high compared to the reward especially if you're in your own territory because if you're in your own territory and you go for it then like yeah you've gotten a new set of downs but you're still not like in field goal range or anything you still have to go another 20 yards or so before you're in field goal range whereas if you're down on like the 35 or the 40 then yeah, that's good. Like I, I would agree. Like the risk and the reward are probably equal. And, and like it may be still a little bit higher of a risk, but at least if you get it, you you know now you have the chance to get points. Whereas if you go for it on like your own forty-five, even if you get it, it's like well you're still not in points range. You still got to go down the field. So you know, especially if you got a good punter, you can pin them you know deep in their own territory. Um, I will say I've never understood these teams that never go for it on fourth and goal when it, they're like on the goal line. That always that is one thing that pisses me off when it's like fourth and goal on the two and teams will like kick the 19 yard field goal. It's like, like, where is the decision in this? Like either you get a touchdown or they're backed up at their own one or two yard line. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they got a long way to go before they get anywhere. So I on fourth and goal if it's like fourth and goal on the five then like yeah go ahead and take the points but you know there's teams on the goal line that will like not go for it on fourth down and that always makes me mad because it's like you're really going to take like a 19 yard field goal over like the possibility of getting a touchdown so so i will say in that scenario i'm for it but for the most part I'm just I'm just a lot more cautious about it. I think like there definitely is a certain range of like no man's land where you have where like I would say you go for it because if you're on like the 37, 38, like maybe the 40 yard line, you're kind of in that range where it's like, you know, okay, it's kind of too far to punt, but it's also kind of too far for a field goal depending on who you're. I mean, unless you got like Justin Tucker as your kicker, then you're probably not going to want to take that risk. So. And I've never also understood these teams that, like, intentionally take the delay of game. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, teams that go out there, like, if you go out there and you try and draw them off sides and then take the delay of game, at least you're doing something. But there'll be teams that will, like, intentionally go out there and take the delay of game. And it's like, what was the point of that? Like, just go for it. If it's, like, fourth and one or fourth and inches and, like, you, you want to get more room for a punt, just go for it instead. Don't stand out there for 50 seconds and not do anything. So I, I, I guess it makes me sound like I'm a bit more of a mixed bag, 
But more <laughs> more often than not, I, I would not go for it in my yeah. opinion. Just because yeah. I think the defenses are too good. And also, it has to be, I meant to mention this too, it has to be a gauge of how your team is doing during the game. Like you mentioned, putting your trust in the defense and putting your trust in your offense. Well, if my offense is playing like garbage, then I'm I, actually, the offense isn't too big of a like if your offense is playing like garbage then maybe still go for it but mainly my thing is if your defense has been playing like garbage i wouldn't go for it if it's gonna be like a high risk area because yeah it may give them a little bit of confidence that like you know okay i've got i put my trust in you but you know if they they've been out there giving up like you know 25 30 points then i don't want to risk them having to stop them again when they have much better field position so um that's basically the gist of my judge how your team is going, but more often than not, don't go for it. Okay, yeah. So I, I from your argument, you would probably end up if you were an NFL coach, you'd probably end up going for it on fourth down more than the average head coach, though. Yeah, yeah. Still, just from what I'm hearing. So. Well, yeah, because because the average head coaches don't go for it at all. So yeah, yeah. I, think I definitely like, think they need to go for it more, but not to the extent that you that you proposed. Yeah, yeah. I think in a game. Uh, in an average NFL game, I think it was team the between both teams they go for it like about two times a game, um, which is hardly any times. Well, and like in, at least one of those is probably in a scenario where like they have do to or die. Win. Yeah, yeah. It's so usually like that, do so or that die. doesn't really count, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's that's worth down though. That's where we stand on that. And then the extra points is going to be kind of a it's a similar thing. I feel like. If you're if you're like I was on fourth down, you're probably where I'm gonna lay on this position, which is where teams really should be going for two more than they should be kicking the extra point. Because um, I I will say this this is another reason for the fourth down thing. Like I said, is I respect teams that play to win and not play to lose. And here's the thing: if if it if a team came up with a radical idea where they went for it, where they went for two every single time, unless, (laughs) unless the the game did that one season, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Unless, um, unless it's like the end of the game and you only need one point to win. Like every other than those like circumstances, it's going for two every single time. You're, you're changing the game because you're dictating what the other team now has to respond with. So let's say you get a touchdown and you get it and you're up 8-0. Then the other team's got a choice to do. And they might feel pressured to match what you're doing and go for two as well. And chances are, if you're a two-point running team, you're going to probably have a better success rate than the teams that go for two like once every three or four games and don't really practice it as much. Um, And another thing, too, that people need to understand is it's only two yards you got to get on this two-point conversion it's not that much it's not like that you're being asked to go get a first down on first and 10 you know it's not something crazy out of line that is oh my god impossible to do it's not like you're trying to make an onside kick or anything like that you're just simply asked to get two yards with the football and this is why teams should invest in like a fullback or some heavy like tight end offensive lineman hybrid blockers or something like that to to try and get to runs to work on fourth down. But you can also be creative with other things too. But 
it's it's not that hard to think about only needing two yards. I know it's down where the field's short and everything, but still, when you've just scored a touchdown, which is what happens every time you kick an extra point or go for two, you have some sort of momentum there. You you have a play where you just reach the end zone from whatever distance it was. Maybe it's the inch yard line, maybe it's the ten yard line, maybe it's the other team's thirty. Wherever you went from, you just got it past the goal line. But a lot of times, it's coaches are like, oh, going to just kick the field goal or kick the extra point because that's that's the safer thing to do. Whereas you just scored, why not keep that momentum that you just got and try and capitalize that with an extra two with an extra point as opposed to uh, to an extra field goal kick there. So um, so that's how I think it teams should really go for it on two because it dictates what the other team has to do. I mean, if you come out with a revolutionary thing like that, teams are going to have to play to your game. And another thing too, is if you go for it every time uh, and, and you, you make it like, let's say you just go for it twice and then you miss it once, but you get it once another time it's, you're still at 14. So it's not like, <laughs> It's not like not getting these extra points is gonna doom you for the rest of the game. Uh, I think it. I think it's a good thing because if you do end up getting them, it could end up being advantageous for you later in the game. Where, let's say, you would normally in a situation be down by four if you just kick extra points, but you went for two instead, so now you're only down three. Well, now you can kick a field goal at the end of the game to tie it, send it to overtime as opposed to having to get a touchdown. I feel like that sort of instance works where it's maybe you, maybe you score it twice and it's it would normally be 14 to like let's say 20, but since you went for it twice it's 16 to 20 or I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying there, but like there <laughs> there are instances I I believe where 20 to 20 24 where you know if or instances where you can get it so that a field goal wins for you so i don't know i i just feel like it gives you more flexibility when it comes to also going for it future times on on two points maybe you get it a bunch of times tonight you don't have to get it at the end of the game uh so i don't know i I, that's just how i feel about the two-point conversions i i wish teams would do it more but it's it's such a copycat league where just because everybody does it one way means it's you're frowned upon if you do it another way. But what do you think, Connor? I mean, my opinion on the two-point conversion is I'm more in favor of doing it early in the game than I am later in the game. Like, early in the game, it's why I actually kind of enjoyed when I was watching the Houston-Dallas game uh, for the XFL the other day, how, like, Houston was going for three a lot early in the game. And I kind of like that. I was like, yeah, because like, you know, it doesn't really hurt you too much early in the game if you don't get it. Whereas like, if you do get it, it's like, you know, wow, like we got nine points on that, you know, possession. That's really good. So early in the game, I definitely think they should because I, it can offer like a lot more momentum if you get it. And if you don't get it, like it's not that big of a deal, really. Like, yeah, it kind of sucks. Like you could have had that, you know, pretty much guaranteed point. But, you know, you're not going to be that far behind. It's later in the game to where I start thinking, like, okay, maybe you should just take the sure points. Like, especially in a game where, you know, I know we've talked about this, like, with Houston and Jacksonville, like, going to overtime, where 
like, you know, you were talking about, I can't remember if Eric agreed with you or if he agreed with me on this, but like, you know, cause you were saying how Jacksonville, like you agreed with the going for two yeah. Yeah. and they, but they didn't get it. So they basically lost the game. Whereas Eric disagreed with me on that. I okay. So yeah, Eric and I said that they should have just taken the extra point and gone to overtime. So that way, like, you know, cause in that scenario, it's like, obviously it's basically a huge risk or a huge reward. Like, you know, Games on the line, yeah. Yeah, If you get it, you win the game, pretty much. Like, it's not guaranteed, obviously, but you pretty much Mm -hmm. win the game. Yeah. But if you don't get it, you lose. So it's, you know, and it also depends on how much time you have left. Like, if you get in that scenario and you have, there's still, like, you know, two minutes and 30 seconds left and you have all three timeouts, then, yeah, why not go for it? You still can get the ball back. Like, And if you get it, obviously, that's good. You're going to force them to, you know have to scramble and get down the field but if you get in a situation where there's like 15 seconds left and you know you're in that scenario i'm definitely of the opinion that you should just take the extra point and go to overtime because i think the obviously you're not going to get the win you're not a guaranteed win but you know if you don't get the two-point conversion which i think what they have like a conversion rate of like 50 percent or something like that now don't they yeah, I think it's around that. Yeah, so, but, like, you know, 50% of the time, you're going to lose the game. That's just, like, too high of a risk for me to want to take that. I want to take the sure points and at least have a chance to go and win the game, you know. have well, a better, the, have, the, have a, well you, you have a yeah. chance to win the game, but at least have a better chance to win the game as well. Yeah. Well, and, like, and obviously, like, you know, the overtime rules and the other yeah. are kind of funky, but, like, you know, I still like the idea of, you know, get the sure points you're for sure going to go to overtime you know obviously there's a chance you could miss the extra point but you know there's a much higher chance that you're not yeah, yeah. two point conversion so um i'm definitely a lot more but early in the game for sure i think they should go for two i think it'd be fun you know and also it can provide a lot a big boost for your team if you get them so yeah yeah it can um i i still like going for it at the end when it says do or die situations because a lot of times you get that uh, situation where you your offense is on a roll and you've driven a certain distance of the field and you've put together a scoring touchdown drive. I feel like that's that sort of energy is better off kept on the field, whereas if you don't and you kick the extra point, you risk getting that coin toss which is completely out of your control and then having your offense sit on the bench for a drive and then they potentially could might not even get a chance to score or they could get the ball back but uh it's x amount of time's gone off the clock it's like a new new drive now and on that momentum's been lost so i i do i like that momentum factor and then for the case of the jaguars texans too they were on the road as well which is a lot tougher to win when you're on the road as opposed to being at home. So when you're in that situation where all you need is two yards, one play, I think a lot of times teams would would love to be in that situation just because of how hard it is to win on the road. And if you just got to get one play and just got to get one play right, um, I think that's a lot easier to do than to have another scoring drive and either kick a field goal or score a touchdown. So it, it is high risk, high reward, but um, just kind of kind of goes back to what you believe on fourth down. I really do think these are, are correlated. If you're risky on yeah. fourth down, you're risky on these extra points. 
And it seems like you're in the middle, but you're definitely more than the current coaching NFL coaches do with going for two early in the game, which is uh, pretty rare. But you said the Steelers did it a while back. How did that turn out? I remember it was that year when um, they had, we had a bunch of kicking problems that year. Cause I remember it was like, uh, Sean Sweezum like got injured and then like we brought in Scobie and he was oh, yeah. <laughs> and like then we brought in that was Boswell's first year but I remember the Steelers they went for I'm pretty sure they went for two like over the course of the season they went for it like 15 times or something like that <laughs> and they got it like eight out of those 15 times so I mean it was fairly successful but it was just like you know I think I know they weren't happy about that because they weren't in an ideal situation with their kicker. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. We fleeced you guys on that trade as Scobie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was uh, pretty bad, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean it was, but yeah, I do remember that. It was pretty funny. I was like, man, like we're just going for it all the time on, on like you know, why yeah. not? <laughs> <laughs> but that's smart though because that's. That's a coach realizing a change with his kicking situation where normally right. normally the percentages are like, what, 95% that you get it. Well, well where, yeah, that was the first year. I remember that was the first year when they moved the extra point. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. You know, that was like a 33-yarder. So then that's, I think that's what sparked it. Because obviously, like, if it was still the old extra point, I don't think he would have done that. That's since true. That was, the, that was the first year that they moved it back. Uh, Mike Tomlin was like, yeah, I don't know. Let's just go for it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that's that's how we lie in extra points. Um, but feel free, guys. We still got some more to go here. But feel free also to message us or comment down below. Email us at clutchcrewsports at gmail dot com. Just where where you lie on on the spectrum of of these stuff. Do you lie more like me to the extreme on going for it on these situations? More moderate or more conservative? So. Um, cause I want to see where you guys do. Maybe I'll put up a Twitter poll as well for these topics to see where Twitter audiences stand on this, but I would be curious to hear what you guys have to say. And also I'm sure we'll get feedback from, uh, Nate and Eric about this as well. So maybe we'll revisit this in the future <laughs> with, <laughs> with those guys in this episode as well and go over the polls and stuff. But moving on now to the, to the next half of the, the debate. So, this is what I've put up here is quarterbacks, and this is uh, this is gonna this is I think an interesting stance that not many people seem to do in the NFL, and it's pretty rare it happens. But I mean, I'm under the mindset where you draft for a quarterback until you're sure you've got the guy, and that competition is always a good thing because you see it so many times where teams draft a quarterback and they think he's going to be and first of all I will say too with rookie quarterbacks this I'll I'll throw this in here too I'm I'm on the side where you throw him in right away no matter what um if you're a rookie quarterback I remember Baker Mayfield I was telling Connor about this last two years ago where I thought they should have started Baker Mayfield right from the start because you got to just throw him in there, see what you got, get him some experience. Yeah, you have low expectations, but at least just see what you got with him because you know whoever you're playing for those first couple weeks, they're going to be benched by week four probably every single time because the team's bad, they're going to lose. 
you might as well just start out with the guy that's going to be the future because almost never do you see a situation where you have a rookie quarterback on a bad team with a placeholder quarterback that actually wins games and continues out the rest of the season. It almost never happens. Teams always make that shifts and change somewhere along the season because they're sucking and they're doing bad. You might as well just see what you got with the guy that's going to be the future. It gives you more time to evaluate him, see how he's doing. And I'm under the I'm I'm under the philosophy where you draft a quarterback every year until you know you got the right guy. Because you see this with teams all the time. They draft a guy who they think is going to be good. And then they allow other quarterbacks in the draft to be, they pass on other quarterbacks who end up being way better. And it happens all the time. It happens with the Jaguars every year where you (laughs) never have, you never, the Jaguars has been so long since they've had a franchise caliber quarterback, but yet they never, they've only drafted in the first round of quarterback, uh, Blake Bortles and Blaine Gabbert in like the past decade. And they, they should have done more than that in my opinion. Because they've passed on almost every elite quarterback they've passed on somewhere in the draft. So you trade up. If, if, you, if you think you know the guy, you trade up to get him whatever it takes. Because this is by far and away the most important position. So you do whatever it takes to do to get that rookie quarterback. And then you can't be afraid. And you have to do stuff like the, Red, uh, like the Cardinals did last year. Where even though they took a rookie quarterback... They went ahead and took Kyler Murray because, I mean, in that instance, they got a new coach who didn't like Rosen. So you can't just be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to pick him because he was picked last year. So he's got a, he's like inherited this starting quarterback role just because he was a first round pick. Nobody should do that. You should never be inherited a spot. You should never be guaranteed safety until you've proven yourself. And I think teams marry a quarterback and then they are so attached to them that they'll close their eyes to everything else around them and miss out on the next great thing and if you don't do that then yeah you might miss a couple times in the draft but once you get the the right one your team can be set up for success in the rest of the for the rest of the positions as well once you get that quarterback set the rest of the team, you can w- just worry about that, and it's so much easier to manage a team when you have a s- solid quarterback that that you know is going to be good. So this is why I think the Redskins in this year's draft should draft a quarterback. I think the Lions should draft a quarterback. I mean, look at the teams on there. The Giants, they should draft one. Obviously, I think every team in the top ten, other than the Cardinals, should draft a quarterback. Uh, and the Browns. But, how are you going to justify drafting some of these quarterbacks in the top 10 picks, though? <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. You, it's not going to happen, but teams got to trade out and make trades. Because obviously not every team is going to do this, but I think every team should. You know what I mean? It's not – obviously, if eight quarterbacks go – or one through eight in the draft, then obviously – you know, it would make sense not to draft a ninth quarterback because there's never going to be nine great quarterbacks in a draft class. But you, what you do is you should draft a quarterback. Um, and you, if you know who it is, you should trade up to get him. Not Every team's not going to follow the philosophy that I follow, so that way you mm-hmm. don't have to – it's not going to be like that. But I, this is like in a vacuum or something like that. That's, this, that's just what I think about quarterbacks in the draft. I think you always got to be drafting a quarterback. 
Um, and just because you think you know the guy doesn't mean he's going to be the guy. That's why you draft a bunch and see which one works out, and then then you got a quarterback, and then you can worry about the rest of your team. But your team's going to be going nowhere if you just pick skill position or lineman in the draft, but you don't have a quarterback. Your team's going nowhere um, for the most part. It's very hard to win a Super Bowl with a below-average quarterback. So that's that's where I stand on this. So now, Connor, that you know where where I'm going with this quarterback mm-hmm. thing, do you do you agree with most of my premise? Do you agree fully with what I said or disagree fully with what <laughs> I said? <laughs> well, I'm sure this will probably come as no surprise to you. I quite disagree with your point. Um, <laughs> I mean, because in my opinion, like, I get where you're coming from saying, like, you know, obviously quarterback is very important and you should draft until you have a good quarterback. But for me, like, I've seen so much of it over the past few years, like, or not just not just the past few years, but like since I've been watching football, I've seen it so often to where that doesn't work out ever that I'm not sure if that's a good strategy or not, because I've seen it so often like, okay, how many quarterbacks have Cleveland had since they came back in the league, like almost 30. And a lot of those quarterbacks have been first round picks that, which like, I also know that when you come, when it comes to like putting your quarterback in the game, it all depends on your situation. Cause there are some teams that, can draft quarterbacks and they don't have to put them in like you know they can sit on the bench for a little bit and there's obviously teams like you know the cardinals this year like they had to put kyler murray in. like who else would yeah they put? like drew stanton like you know nobody wants him but i'm definitely more of the opinion that i do think these quarterbacks need a little bit more at least a season maybe not like you know two or three like what aaron Rodgers had but I think they need at least one season to get up to speed with the NFL level because we've seen it so many times where quarterbacks get thrown in there and they suck. And then you're right back to square one where you started from. Whereas, you know, I think if you let the quarterback develop a little bit, you know, more than just like four games, then I think you'll be okay. And I think some teams need to resign themselves. I mean, Eric said this about the Cincinnati Bengals this season. They need to resign themselves to the fact that they're going to probably suck the first year after they draft this quarterback, but they're just going to have to live with it. They have to realize, okay, like you have to take the L realize that this season is a loss. You know, obviously we're hoping to get maybe like five or six wins, like do better than like the two win performance, but not expect big things right away. Cause I think that's something else that teams get caught up in is they draft this quarterback you know, that's supposed to be the next big thing and they get caught up in, oh, we're going to go to the playoffs this year. And that's just not a realistic goal with a quarterback who has not played a single snap of NFL football. It's so much different. The NFL is such a different animal from college that these quarterbacks need time to adapt without getting thrown in there right away. And like I say, with some of these teams that like, you know, you keep drafting a quarterback until, you know, you get the right one. Some of these teams that have been following that strategy, you know, they keep trying to get this quarterback and they still suck. Like they've been sucking since, you know, the early 2000s, like Cleveland. I mean, Detroit thinks they've had one with uh, Matthew Stafford. But like I think Arizona is a good example of that. They had like some success with Carson Palmer. But other than that, they've been drafting these quarterbacks and it's not been going out uh, going very well. I know that, like you mentioned, the Jaguars, every time they draft a quarterback, it's going to go, well, the Bills finally seem like they're getting on the right track, but that's 20 years later from when they started drafting quarterbacks. So I just don't think that's, I think if you want to like, you know, maybe if I look at it this way, if you maybe want a strategy where you're going to win 
you know, you're going to find the right gem like 20 years from now, then I say you go with that strategy. But if you want to win now, I don't think you can do that. I think you need to develop, need to develop a quarterback and you also need to develop the team around them because we've also seen it too, where you have these quarterbacks that are really good quarterbacks, but you spend so much time and so much effort on finding that quarterback and so much money sometimes like this isn't just for quarterbacks that you draft, but like free agent quarterbacks, you spend so much money on these quarterbacks that you leave them with zero team around them that they can't do anything. Cause yes, the quarterback position is very important, but football is the ultimate team sport. Like my dad always likes to say every position matters in football. You can't have, you know, I mean, I think, and I think uh, offensive line is the biggest example of that. You can't have four really good offensive linemen and one that sucks because that one that sucks will get beat every time and your offense is going to go nowhere. You need to invest in everything and not just the quarterback. And so that's mainly why I disagree with the whole drafting a quarterback every year until you have the right one, because I think you get so caught up in that, you know, that quarterback thing that you forget about the rest of your team and it just causes you to suck. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you still have other draft picks though. That's what I, you, you can, I feel like you can still have a put together a team, but if you don't have that quarterback, no matter how good your team is, you're going to be held back from, from contention. So it's one of those things where I would want to have the quarterback first and then build around the quarterback. Uh, because even though you mentioned the Cleveland situation, like at least they're trying to replace their quarterbacks and find something better to, to stick. But teams like the Jaguars, on the other hand, they put all they they just they just turn blind to everything else once they pick a quarterback who ends up sucking and, and busting. Whereas because they were so loyal and so and spent so much time on these quarterbacks, then they pass up on quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson and Mahomes, who other teams trade up for and get because they see stuff in them. I think you know, the Chicago Bears with that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean they well they at least they, they, tried. They, 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 they picked the quarterback and they quarterback. just got the wrong one. Yeah, they just got the wrong one. Um, and it is like a crapshoot. I mean, there's. I mean, you just gotta you you gotta go with one though. But I don't know, man. I there's almost in in almost every draft class there's a there's a good quarterback or so and. You can't be blind to the fact that you've got a quarterback on the team that's making X amount of money. If he's not good, you need to find his replacement. You need to, you constantly need to be drafting these quarterbacks because I just don't think you're, you, every position matters. We'll get to team building next. But if you don't have a quarterback, you're not going anywhere. And it's by far and away the most important position. So I, I feel like that's the number one problem that teams have is the quarterback problem because. They don't have a, a good one, and once you get that good one, then it's time for you to do the next step and do the team building thing. But I know I'm I'm kind of out there on the on the fact that all ten of those teams or nine of those top ten teams in this year's draft should draft a quarterback. Obviously, they that's not going to happen, but I I think they should because I think none of those quarterbacks, none of those starting quarterbacks on any of those teams are worthy enough of being a guaranteed starter they should have at least some sort of competition and feel some sort of pressure on them to perform better or have somebody else beat them out and and be better than them 
So because that's why they're at the bottom of the draft. Um, it's not like the Kansas City Chiefs who have the best quarterback in the game are drafting in the top 10 or the Ravens with the MVP or Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Those quarterbacks are on teams that are winners. But we'll move on now to the team building part. Um, so this is, so I'll say for team building, this is, for my argument, is going once you have that quarterback, then you focus on team building. And these are the steps that I would take for team building. Number one, never spend anything in free agency. I would spend very, very little here. I would not sign anybody overly exorbitant price-wise. Um, the majority, vast majority of the time, these free agent signs that are huge end up they, they end up never living up to the amount that they were signed in free agency. Now, it's one thing if you're a team who's one player away from competing for a championship, that's an exception. If you've got the space to do that, you can do that. But if you're a, if you're an average team or if you're a if you're a rebuilding type of team, you don't do this because this is going to set you back in the long run. Um, it's going to set you back pretty pretty severely. You need to sign day two type of free agents. No day one type of free agents. Get the guys to fill the roster on cheap salaries who aren't going to be lighting it up on the news cycle, but they're consistent, reliable players. And then what you do is you fill your entire team with the draft. I mean, you trade down in the draft. You accumulate as much picks as you can. Once you have that quarterback, you trade down almost every situation you can because I believe the sum is greater than the individual parts on a football team. You get as many good players as you can, and specifically the types of players that you do that matter too. So first round, you always take big people, offensive, defensive linemen. That's how you win football games. I believe teams should be drafting those positions for the majority of the first round. And then in the second rounds, third rounds, that sort of thing, that's when you can take receivers and running backs. Uh, as far as more positions on defense go, probably put corners up there on day two as well. They're slightly behind defensive linemen, but safety's even farther back and, and linebackers somewhere in the middle there. But definitely... Don't overvalue. I don't think any wide receiver should really go in the first round. I don't think any tight end should go in the first round um, unless they're crazy, crazy good. Uh, Gronkowski level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it should be, for the most part, offensive linemen because there's usually not that many good ones. So, And th these are such important positions that get overlooked a lot. So offensive linemen, defensive linemen should be the bulk of, would be the bulk of my team's first round picks. I mean, if, you, if I was a GM for 10 years, I'd probably have eight. If I had a quarterback, I would probably have eight of those 10 picks be offensive or defensive linemen just because how important those are and how important you it is to get those guys in the early rounds because you can hit on running backs late in the draft. You can hit on receivers late in the draft, uh, but it's harder to do that with offensive and defensive linemen. So that's how I do things. Very little free agency, very heavy on the draft, trade back as many picks as I can. Uh, I feel like any of those top teams at the top, if they're not taking quarterbacks, they should absolutely trade back, even if it's just to get one more first-round pick 
or a second round pick to move back like five spots, you do that because you suck right now. You need to get more players on your team. <laughs> uh, that's a clip worthy moment right there. <laughs> because you suck right now. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I hear all these Redskins fans on Twitter all kind of rant about the Redskins fans. They're like, oh, it's going to take three first round picks for us to move down three spots uh, in the draft. I'm like, are you crazy? If you get one more first round pick, and you move down three spots because your team sucks. Like unless you're using that for a quarterback, Chase Young is not more valuable than, I don't know, Okuda or Derek Brown or Malachi Benton or Tristan Wiffs. None of those players are that much more valuable than Chase Young uh, when you combine that with another first-round pick. So that's just how I feel about the draft and free agency. But, Connor, take it away, man. <laughs> I mean, you do bring up a lot of really good points. I mean, I'm not sure. Because when it comes to trading back, like, yeah, for me, it would have to be something, like, really valuable. Like you said, another first-round pick, I would love that. I mean... You know, that's why the Dolphins are in such a good position this year. They have, like, three first-round picks. I mean, and who knows? Maybe if they can, like, get a fourth first-round pick and trade away, like, you know, their higher one, that'd be amazing. But I definitely agree with your point about, you know, getting the offensive linemen and getting the defensive linemen, because especially offensive linemen. I mean, you see all these teams nowadays that, like, even they can have, like, the best quarterback, the best running back, the best wide receivers, but they have this god-awful offensive line, and they can't do anything because their running back's getting tackled in the backfield. Their quarterback's under pressure every two seconds, you know? Yeah, maybe their receivers are getting open, but the quarterback has no time to find them. So I definitely 100%, 100% get offensive linemen. Because you're going to fail if you don't have them. And they're they're much better when they're top round picks, too. It's not like it's it's harder to get them good late in the draft. Right, exactly. So, I mean, mean, you know, obviously, like the Vikings this year, they actually got a very good, they got kind of lucky, I should say, with the 19th pick when they got Garrett Bradbury, because he's been a really good center for them already. So, but yeah, it is crucial 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 to have offensive linemen you are going to do absolutely nothing on offense if you don't have an offensive line and i know my dad will agree with this me on this too um if he watches this episode (laughs) but um and yeah on the defensive line too because a lot of those you know getting edge rushers and getting defensive tackles to stop the run because we see this a lot of the times too where i know the steelers have had this issue the past couple of seasons where uh, this is why I think middle linebackers are really important. Mm -hmm. Teams like spend so much on outside linebackers and like, yeah, edge rushers are important. I know I said that earlier, but like more so I think interior linemen and uh, middle linebackers and corners Mm -hmm. would be the three most important because corners, so you can cover the receivers, but you know, having those interior linemen and those middle linebackers mean teams can't really run the ball on you a lot. And because we see it all these times now with a lot of these defenses that have like, they'll have top notch corners and they'll have top notch edge rushers, but they don't have a good middle linebacker or a defensive lineman. So yeah, you have the best pass defense in the league, but you're getting, you know, the other team is running for a hundred plus yards on you Mm -hmm. every game. So like, I know that's one issue that the Jaguars and Bills have suffered from recently is that, and the Steelers, like I said, the Steelers too, ever since we lost Ryan Shazier, we haven't had a true, like, good middle linebacker, so teams will run the ball a lot on us. And, you know, all the Steelers fans keep saying, like, oh, you know, we need corners. Like, 
we've got good corners. Like, our DBs are solid. We have Joe Hayden, we got Steven Nelson, and obviously we got Minka Fitzpatrick in that trade from the Dolphins. So, like, our secondary doesn't need any help. We need a strong middle linebacker. Hopefully Devin Bush can turn out to be that. But um, I definitely am mostly agreement with you on your philosophy here. But what? A, so free agency, though, that's another part oh, of this. Oh, yeah, free, free yeah. yeah. I mean, free agency, yeah. Again, I also agree with you on that, too. Like, these teams that go out and spend all these this money on these free agents, like, it's just a waste of money most of the time. I mean, you see what happened with the Browns this season. They went out and spent so much money in free agency to go and get, like, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham Jr., and, you know, all these players. And, you know, it, where did it end up? It ended up third place in the AFC North, missing the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, and everybody keeps talking, oh, the Browns had this super team. Well, what killed them? Offensive line killed them. They didn't yeah. have an offensive line. The Colt, I think the Colts are like the opposite of the Browns when it comes to that. Like yeah, the, right. the Colts are like exactly how I would be doing things. Like, Yeah. And so, well, and who knows? Because like, you know, they got dealt a huge blow when they lost Andrew Luck. Like who knows yeah. what they could have done if they had had Andrew Luck? Because exactly. not only do they have the offensive line, but they've got Marlon Mack. They've got T.Y. Hilton. Like they've got weapons. So... Um, but yeah, and also like I, if I want to use another example of a team that just spent a lot of money in free agency and crashed and burned, I like just lost them in my head as I was talking. <laughs> and now I'm mad because I had a team that I was going to mention, but I lost them. Uh, Cowboys maybe. I mean, the Cowboys could be one. I mean, you know, they spent all that money on Zeke. Well, but the Cowboys have a good offensive line though. I yeah. think that's more of a coaching issue. <laughs> and more of a Dak Prescott issue than it is an issue on the Cowboys. So, oh, the Jets. I was going to mention Okay, that. okay, yeah, yeah. Because everybody was talking about, like, the Jets. Like, oh, so oh, he's yeah. coming into his own. They got Le'Veon Bell, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, again, the Jets sucked because they don't have an offensive line. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with you on this topic. Okay. So this is one where we agree on, guys. That's good that we got one at least. <laughs> so that, well, yeah, that because well, I, th- I think I know we're gonna disagree on the next one. So yeah, we'll we'll probably disagree on this next one. But yeah, that'll cover kind of the draft one too, since we factored in free agency and drafts and that. So we'll we'll do our last one here, which is uh, what you want your head coach's background to be. And for me, I'm under the philosophy where you want your head coach to be offensive minded with a good relationship with your quarterback because what what I've noticed in the NFL is that defense having a really good defense is hard to sustain from uh several years down the line regardless really of the coordinators uh in today's NFL it's harder to keep a consistent defense than it is a consistent offense I think and I think it's worse when you have a defensive minded head coach and your offensive coordinator is doing is having high success with your quarterback, and then he gets plucked from the team and taken to a rival or a, a team from out of conference, because that that's such a big blow. Whereas I feel like if you lose your defensive coordinator, it's easier to like rise up the ranks or promote from within or find another guy on the market to replace. Um, this isn't really. I'm not saying like offense is more important than defense or anything but it's just it seems like to me that quarterback uh offensive coach relationship is so much more important because that's going to be the longevity of your team if you have a head coach that has that relationship like i said i don't want to repeat myself here but like 
you have that relationship, that's you're not going to lose that. Like your your head coach isn't going to is probably not. I mean, we saw Marone leave as head coach because he thought he was going to get a head coaching job with the Jets. But uh, for the most part, you're not going to be coaches aren't moving from a head coach from one team to head coach from another another team like right away in one season. So that's why I think it's so crucial to have an offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinators. I feel like you can rotate and even if you do have a good one, it just seems like so many times these defenses are good for one, two, three seasons, and then they start regressing or fall off the map. But if you get that offense, they can be consistent, I think for a longer period of time. So I mean, yeah, so like I said, this is where we're going to disagree because mm-hmm. I definitely think that you should have a defensive-minded head coach when it comes to your uh, team. I mean, I know having an offensive-minded head coach is, you know, good and, like, you get that quarterback relationship. But I think, in my mind, we've seen it time and time again where it's been the teams that have the best defenses that do – I mean, obviously it was uh, – not the case this year where the Chiefs ended up being the yeah. winners. But for the most part in the past, it's been the team with the better defense that's won the Super Bowl. I mean, just look at the New England Patriots. I mean, Bill Belichick is a defensive-minded head coach. And obviously, and his system has worked. Because, the, you know, you look at Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning won two Super Bowls over the course of his career. One of those was where he sucked, and the Denver Broncos defense carried him to the Super Bowl win. But... You know, with the Colts, even though he was putting up these ridiculous numbers with the Colts, he still couldn't win the Super Bowl because the Colts had just this atrocious defense that couldn't do anything. And even we saw in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. Now, while I think that was more momentum based in a way, like the momentum just wasn't with Denver from the start of that game. But even so, like it was the league's number one offense versus the number one defense. And the Seahawks came in and absolutely crushed the Broncos. So... And also, you know, not just the Seahawks, but, I mean, you look at the Steelers, too. The two years that the Steelers won the Super Bowl, they had, like, the number one defense. And everybody was talking in the past, like myself included, the past, you know, four or five seasons with the Killer Bees, how, you know, okay, even though the Steelers' defense dropped off, this offense is just so good, it's going to carry the Steelers to a Super Bowl. Well, that never happened, unfortunately. The defense was just too bad, and the Steelers got too many points for it on them that... You know, they just couldn't do it. And I know they have Mike Tomlin, who's a defensive-minded head coach, but I think Tomlin started to step out too much and focus more on the offense than he did on the defense, which is what this season, Tomlin went back to focusing on the defense. He took the defensive coordinator, you know, I don't want to say he took it completely out of Keith Butler's hands, but he stepped in and had a much bigger role this season when it came to the defense, and the results showed I mean, even with a completely subpar offense, the Steelers still were on the brink of making the playoffs until the end of the season. So I just think you've seen it a lot more. It's more proven to have a defensive-minded head coach than it is to have an offensive-minded head coach when it comes to the long run, in my opinion. Yeah, I I, I still tend to disagree. Just And when you look at the Patriots, too, the Patriots are an outlier because Josh McDaniels is just staying with Brady as the offensive coordinator. He's had head coaching well, he's, offers he's, before. He's got, he's got that promise from Robert Kraft. Yeah, he's got that promise, the the wink wink thing. So, but um, but here, <laughs> but wink here, thing. Yeah, here's like you know you can't officially say it, but we all yeah, know. Yeah. Um, 
the, here's the thing, though, is that the Patriots have had a lot of success with McDaniels as the offensive coordinator, but in a normal situation, McDaniels would have left a long time ago to be a head coach somewhere else. Because And who knows if the Patriots would have had as much success as they did because it seems like their best years have been the McDaniels years. So Bill's got a great part of that too, but for a long time, Bill didn't even call the defensive plays. He's mainly there more as like a figure and as like a talent evaluator, a team builder. It's his, like he builds the teams and stuff, but he doesn't really call the defensive plays. Uh, You've seen Flores and Patricia who have gone on to be head coaches and I I'm high on Flores, but Patricia, he's absolutely failed. Um, <laughs> <After> <laughs> there's no questions seasons. about it. Yeah. It, you can just see he's not meant to be a head coach, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I would, because the, if you, if you have a good, if you have like a Super Bowl run, even with the defensive head coach, a lot of times your offensive coordinator gets plucked and then it's hard to retain that success. Whereas I feel like the chiefs are in a really good situation with having Andy Reid there because he's the de facto offensive coordinator. I know B enemy there is there. He should have a head coaching job, but um, Andy Reid with his relationship with Mahomes is, you know, that's something very valuable to them. And I think that the, the chiefs could end up being like another dynasty type of thing. I know we've talked about that before, but I don't know. I, I just like to have the offensive minded head coach, but I can see, I can see points for having defensive guys too, because I feel like they can be more related, relatable to the whole locker room with like special teams and everything like that, um, and more down on the depth chart type of guys. But uh, it, it's it's this isn't one where I'm like, oh, every single time you need this. It, it is there are defensive candidates that are better than certain offensive ones. But if I had my choice between two equal level uh, coordinators, I would just go with the offensive guy more times than not. Um, but it's still an individual choice. You know, all these people are going to be different. It's not like you're drafting robots here. So, right. <laughs> uh, so there's definitely the human, the human element to this, but, um, but yeah, guys, that, that'll wrap this one up. Uh, hopefully you enjoy listening to us debate some, some different uh, strategies and, and philosophies for football, because, I think this is something a long time coming for this show because, (laughs) you know, we've had some disagreements before, uh, but now we can finally like formally hash out our opinions and everything like that. So and then also we we brought some new ones up, like the team building and the quarterback stuff that we haven't talked about before. So uh, thanks for thanks for listening, guys. Uh, But like I said, halfway through this, make sure to comment leave a message to us or something where you stand on these topics. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, see who you agree with more. See if you agree with neither of us and you're much more in the conservative aspect. Uh, but, but yeah, so thanks for listening guys and have a great rest of your day. Bye for Eric. Peace.